try and make trades with the Oilers, knowing that they're not, they don't really have a GM. They kind of have a GM, yeah. but we're not sure I, yet. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that's a really valid point because you're probably thinking, okay, do I call Keith Gretzky or do I call Bob Nicholson or do I call Keith Gretzky and Bob Nicholson? They'll sort of yeah. lose. Yeah. <laughs> sort of money. Do I call the owner? Like, who do I, who do I call? Yeah. But I, I would think that, you know, the other 30 general managers in the NHL would go, if they want someone, yeah. they'll they'll figure out a way to call. The one thing about Keith, well, Bob Nicholson is well-known in the hockey world. Of course. Keith is is more sort of day-to-day in the trenches. He, he flies all over the world. He's been to every minor hockey arena, to every NHL arena, to pretty much every junior arena, to arenas overseas. Mm-hmm. So he knows lots of people. And so I think what would happen is if Avery's interested in a trade, he'd float floated out to Keith saying, hey, listen, we're kind of interested in player A and B. What, what, what's the process here? Like, do we, do we give it to you and you take it to Bob? Do we, you know, conference call? Look, what do we do here? Because we would like that player or these players. Right. Of course, another team where 2019-2020 will be quite the year for this team. Do you, do you see do you see it going to be back next year, or do you see a team going out and trying to get, like, a Joel Quenville or a Marco Sturm yeah. or Chris Knobloch, who's killing right now in the yeah. CHL? Um, I don't know about Ken. I mean, I think part of it will be up to Ken. Ken is the oldest coach in the league. He's 67. But mm-hmm. I, I have to tell you, he does not carry himself that way. Um, you know, it's coaching days are long. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, game day, I see those guys, 6, 630, they're up and up. I mean, they, they put their hard hats on too because they go to work like a lot of people do. You know, they're off to the rink. They're there at 630 or 7. They get a couple-hour break during the day, and then they're, you know, back at it. I think Ken can do it if he wants. Um, you know, it might be a little result-driven. Um, if the team makes a run, makes the playoffs, I would think that they would, this would be my guess, is that they'd say, Ken, we want you back, but we're going to hire an associate coach, Chris Knobloch, for example. Okay, We're going to hire him with the idea that there's a plan in place that in a year or so we're going to make him the head coach, but we want you to teach him everything you know with your 838 wins. And then we'll have the succession plan. If they don't make the playoffs, then that might be different. They may go for someone a little more proven uh, who would be here for probably at least a three-year contract. Uh, but I, I like Ken, and, you know, it's a results-driven business, though. So that may decide what they want. And also, let's let's give Ken some um, uh, some time to think about it, too. Absolutely. I mean, he mm, may yeah. go, wow, this is a lot of work. I don't know if I'm ready for 82 straight games of this, yeah. uh, the travel and everything that goes with it. Um, so we'll, we'll see where it works out. But I know I know Ken wants to leave here successful. And so while Connor, to me, is a big motivating factor in my belief, mm-hmm. so is Ken. So is Ken. He hasn't done what he's done by accident, and I know he wants to do it here as well. So I, you mentioned Connor, and you're, you're in the trenches with this team every single day, win or lose. How does Connor McDavid stay motivated, stay positive? Because yeah. you're seeing this is your we're, – we're going into, you know, this ain't your number one with Connor right. anymore. Right. You know, he's you, – you, you've only made the putts one time. Right. How do you stay motivated to get up and, and yeah. win and push for this team knowing you're in the same position? Year yeah, year. yeah. Well, it's difficult. Yeah. But he makes it work because it's just the kind of guy he is, I think. You know, listen, we, how often do we talk about Connor's 
uh, stick handling and how mm. fast he is, right? But there's something inside of that kid that's brought him to where he is today yes. as an individual when it comes to his success. And what he wants more than anything is to spread that individual success and pass it on to the whole team. Yeah. And that's what he wants to do. And that's what gets him up in the morning after a 5-2 loss. That's what gets him going after one win in eight games. That's what gets him motivated when they're six points out of a playoff spot. He wants to win, and he wants to win with the guys around him. Listen, it would be easy, and in other sports we see it. Uh, guys just go, you know what, I'm out. I've been here for four years. I've yeah. done what I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going the right way, so I, I, I'm not going to ask for a trade, but I'll ask my agent, second agent, third over there, will come back and ask for a deal. <laughs> Anthony <That's>, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right, with the Pelicans, yeah. right? That's perfect. <laughs> And you know what? Listen, I, I'm not saying people would say, great job, Connor, for us for a trade. Not at all. Mm. But there are some people who might go, you know what? Okay, I, I get it. He's trying his best, and it's yeah. not working, so he wants to change. But that's not Connor. And I think that's one thing we're learning about him. We, we learn about him every day, every year. We learn mm-hmm. something new about him. And I think that's what we're learning this year is that this kid's not here just to sort of receive praise and to receive money. He's here to win. He's here to succeed. He's here to be a leader. He's here to win a Stanley Cup. And so on the days like that, and there have been more than he would like lately, that's what gets him up in the morning. That's what keeps him as the elite of elite players in the league. So stepping away, I want to step away from hockey for a minute, just pick your brain. So outside of hockey, obviously you work in it, you're you're there, that's that's your life. But when you're not at a range, yeah. Is there another sport you follow super closely and you're like, you're, you're involved, you follow stats, is, uh, whether NBA or... Yeah, yeah, you know what? I have my oldest son, who will be 20 tomorrow. He uh, he plays basketball. He's 6'5". Okay. So he kind of, brought, when I was a kid, I watched, uh, you know, uh, well, Michael Jordan was a little more than when I was a kid, but Larry Bird and <laughs> mm-hmm. Dr. J yeah. and Magic Johnson and yeah. all those guys. I love basketball. And then I got kind of removed from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And my son has sort of brought me back to basketball. So I, I like basketball. Like the trade deadline just came, and I was kind of watching to see all the different moves yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that were made. Yeah. Um, I still I play soccer, and I coach soccer. So that's kind of my – that's sort of my real fun, even though sometimes I don't act like I'm having fun, just sort of get away. <laughs> that's sort of my, my natural sport. Like I'm not saying I'm a natural at it. Just to clarify, but that's sort of what I grew up with. That's what I played. That's what I wanted to play. That's what I have the most fun doing. I played hockey. I played basketball. I played volleyball. But soccer is sort of my like every. I got to tell you, I feel like a kid. Like Braden, when I when I drive by a soccer field, and I just see the grass, I just go into a place, and I just I just envision myself on there and kicking the ball. And to me, it's like just it's like some people. Not I like beaches as well and warm weather and all that, but. You know, some people get to a beach and they just feel like, ah. Oh. When I see a soccer field and I get to go on that soccer field, I just feel like I just feel so relaxed and just the tension just leaves me. Yeah, and I, I know you're a big soccer guy. And I, and as someone who covered TFC for a couple of years, mm-hmm. results on Juvinko now going to Saudi Arabia because that's a big hole right now. Yeah, the number ten placing Juvinko now gone to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that was uh, that. I mean, he, he's getting paid a lot of money to go there, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I get it. I mean, he was making I think six and a half with uh, with TFC, and he's making that's eleven and a half now. So it's like double his pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested like to see. Money. 
What's that? That's like McDavid money. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, in Saudi Arabia too. I'm sure he's got some, you know, sand dudes and some beautiful spot where he can live. Um, I, uh, I, I think you know Toronto's interesting because they they lost in the MLS Cup final, then they won, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of. Kind of, you know, we always talk about a Stanley Cup hangover. Yeah. And it seemed like they had an MLS Cup they hangover. They just could not get going. So I'll be curious to see with Javinko how, how that changes things. But I think they're in a little bit of a cycle here where they're where they're sort of moving into a different direction. Mm-hmm. They won. They made it to the final. Then they won their cup. And yeah. now they're going, okay, this doesn't work anymore. So how are we going to sort of remodel our model of success to change it so that we can kind of get back in? You know, one of the things I think that gets uh, taken for granted with any sports franchise is the ones that just make it over and over again. They just do it over and over, and you start to think, oh, the yeah. The Penguins. Or yeah, the, 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 the Red Wings, or, yeah. the Patriots. You think, ah, you know, it's not easy. And, and we see it firsthand in our own city, whether it's football or hockey. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough to be good to great every single year. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think that's where TFC is. They're trying to get back to that good and great cycle. See, I, and I like this out of you, just to – you know, get out of hockey because, mm-hmm. you know, you like I said, you I know. live it. Well, it's funny. <laughs> the, the question I get the most is, are you getting tired of questions about the Oilers, right? People yeah. always yeah. – but to me, you know what, I, I, I get it. Like, I understand, right? People see me and I'm affiliated with the Oilers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Some know you're at Sportsnet and some go, oh, it's the guy from the Oilers. It's the guy from the Oilers, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what they – so that's what they want to talk about. So. I don't mind. I just I don't have the answer sometimes that they want and that they're looking for. You're not the GM. No, I'm not the GM. You know, I I mean I've got uncles who always say to me, just go tell them to do this, and I I don't I don't sit beside them. They don't pay me enough. No, no. But I I love it. You know, and I guess it speaks to the passion of the people of the city and 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 the province. And I see Oilers fans all over the place. They they love their team and. they just they, they just want them to do well. Do you, you get know, a sense of frustration well. now when, when you're out? Uh, frustration I, I, in think, the city? I, I think before the All-Star break there was. Um, and then after the break they started on the road, kind of came home. Certainly I felt it after Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in small doses because it's not a five-game or six-game homestand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just again, like they came home, they played, now they're gone again, right? So right. if they have a good road trip, when they come back, people are – back believing and, and less frustrated mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's out there and it's accumulation right it's, uh, it's not a one yeah. season it's not a two it's it's longer than that yeah. uh, but you know it's funny because you know people love to to critique and sometimes they're harsh and they're hard mm-hmm. but deep down they love them like they just love them like it's yeah. hard to explain yeah. and they, that's that's why they're so mad and that's why they're so frustrated because they love them if they didn't care it wouldn't matter to them. Yeah, exactly. But that's why it matters. I'm sure you know too, um, a certain game, I've watched certain games, and the third period starts, and you see fans filing out with 10 minutes to go. I'm sure yeah. you know that, beating the ring seat fans, you know, there's moments to go, and the place is now half empty. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's disappointing. I mean, you should always, if you can, stay to the end. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get it, right? You know, on Saturday night, they're, they're losing and they're struggling, and, uh, but they might have missed the Zach Cassian goal potentially, right? And I know Braden's a big fan of Zach Cassian, <laughs> so I hope he stuck by the TV to make Zach, sure. Zach, Zach, if you're watching, you yeah, 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 exactly. You got a big fan, your number one fan. So I, you know, but I get it. Like, listen, you know, people, I'm gonna go start my car. It's cold out. I want to get moving. I want to beat the traffic. Yeah. You know, it's not going well. 
it'd be nice if people stayed from start to finish, okay. but but they don't. We see it all the time. Um, we don't see it, you know, like uh, Zach, in fact, was talking about the playoffs, you know, about caring and wanting. To, he said, everybody cares. Everybody remembers what those playoffs were like. Yeah. And mm. Nobody budged. I mean, I know in the season you have sellouts, but, you know, you got pockets or spots yeah. where, the, yeah. you know, people didn't show up, right? Something came out. In the, in the playoffs, that's what I love. Every seat is taken. <laughs> There's not an empty seat in the nope. entire place. Mm. I love that. It just kind of leads to the passion that you see. And that's the thing. People want to feel like that. 100%. Uh, you know, pe- there's nothing like sports to to bring people together and bring some people apart. But it's just something. It's, it's like we talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. What's everyone talking about lately? How cold is it? How cold is it? <laughs> what does everybody talk about when they're in playoffs? Everybody talks about the orders. They're in the playoffs. Or, Did you see that game last night? you see that goal? you see the McDavid move? you see the dry saddle goal? Yeah. It brings everybody together. You suddenly... People who are average fans or not fans at all suddenly start to take interest in. So I got to ask, what's your, what's your favorite opposing rink to go into and you're like, ah, this never gets old. Yeah. Coming back here. You know which one I like a lot is Staples Center in L.A.? Yeah. Um, it's like an icebox, so it's it, cold. It's cold in there. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I found over the years. You make a good point. The rinks are getting colder. I don't know if it's just the technology and that's how they feel it's better for the ice. But the rinks are definitely getting colder. Yeah. Um, I like Staples Center. Um, maybe it's just it's also the outside how they have the LA Live and they've got mm-hmm. all the the bars and the restaurants and the hotels. So it's just the kind of the whole atmosphere. And I've been lucky enough to cover a couple Stanley Cups there in the last you know X amount of years that they won in 2012 and I think 2015. And you know, I I don't have. You know, my heart's not as much into it when I'm watching like L.A. and New Jersey or L.A. and the Rangers mm-hmm. as if it was Edmonton. But you're in that in that building. You can't help but have yeah. a, a vibe and a feel and a passion and an excitement because there's 18,000 and change that are, are just cheering their their hearts out for their for their team, just like we do here. So I would say L.A. is up there, but there's so many nice rinks. But I'll go with L.A. just from kind of recent experience. I mean, you know, we're talking about the playoffs right now, and I know you've been around for a very long time covering this team, Gene, so I want to ask you, what's the biggest difference between covering this team in the 06 playoffs to the 2017 playoffs? What's the biggest difference between? Mm. It could be, could be team, could be atmosphere. Yeah. What's the biggest difference between those two playoffs? Biggest playoff? difference? Uh, well, there was no Fernando Pisani. Or Ryan Smith. Or Ryan Smith. You That's know, true. I, I, think, uh, I think it was different because they had players who had uh, kind of, they had some, some local heroes. And I know Matt Benning would, you know, love to be a local hero. Matt's mm-hmm. done great for himself. In fact, I went to high school with Matt's uh, father, Brian Benning. Um, it, it, you know, I, I think that was unexpected, right? They snuck in. I, I still remember being at the old rink, and it was the second last game, and they yeah. beat Anaheim, and they were waiting to see if San Jose could beat Vancouver, and they lost, did. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Good memory, Avery. And they made the playoffs in the second last game of the season. Mm-hmm. So there was a kind of, well, let's see. And then they faced Detroit, right? And Stevie Y's last series, last game, and out they went. And then the first two games, it was boys to men, uh, San Jose to Edmonton, and then they came back. And then Anaheim, they, you know, they almost swept. And it just was, like, hard to believe. I think the recent run, um, A, it wasn't as long, so that made it different. Right. But I, I just think that that team was sort of a, a group that nobody expected that from, 100%, other yeah. than themselves. And I, I hear a story from, uh, it was after a game in Detroit, and they came home, but on the bus, Craig McTavish stood up, 
and he, he basically stood up to the team and said, we can do this. We can do this. We can beat Detroit. We can win the Stanley Cup. And a lot of the players, and I'm paraphrasing, but a lot of the players point to that as kind of a, a moment where they went, we can do this, right? Like, we, we might be able to do this, and our coach thinks it, we think it. And they nearly did. It's still, still, we're headed to Carolina right away. And I can't help but, every time I go there, I can't help but think of game seven. Um, and uh, that loss and seeing Ryan Smith skate off the ice just crying uh, like a baby because it meant so much to him. And he, he, he lost it. He lost it both sort of emotionally and lost that opportunity that he'd worked his whole career for. So I, I got a couple last questions and we'll wrap it up. Uh, a question from our good friend, Vic Michaels. I'm oh sure yeah, how's Vic? He, he wants to know why, why is your hair so long? I don't know either. I don't know, you know what? You, I, you know what happens usually? Uh, I usually get a, an email saying, it's that time, right, to cut my hair. Mm -hmm. So then I just cut it and no problem. And I haven't received the email yet. <laughs> so you let it go. So I just let it go. And I, I, I honestly, I swear, I was going to cut it during uh, the All-Star break. Yeah. I was just too lazy and I just, <laughs> so I just, I just keep pounding the gel in there and just kind of putting it together. And, Does your wife like it longer? Or she, uh, she likes it longer, <laughs> but it's probably getting to the point that it's kind of getting, and you know, I kind of, I don't know, I guess, you know what, I'm 51 and I can still grow my hair. So I kind of see it as a blessing. So I want to take advantage of it and grow it. And, yeah. But I will like it when I do cut it. Like, it's not like I'm going to cut it and go, ah, uh, you know, I will like it when I cut it and save a lot of money on hair gel. So there you go, Vic. There's, There's your, your answer, Vic, okay? So, and then another one. We, we, we were a little upset. We didn't get an invite to your birthday. Your 50th. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's sorry, that? boys. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. did the invite get lost in the mail? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I, I sent it by a homing pigeon. Maybe it's supposed to drop it through your chimney. Yes, I had my 50th just, uh, you know what, just two weeks short of two years. And uh, I'm not a drinker. Yeah. Uh, but that one night, I, I kind of enjoyed myself. I had, you, know, you know, when you turn a big age, a big number, you, you sort of decide, what, what are we going to do here? Is it going to be a lot of people will be like husband and wife or significant other going to holiday, right? Okay. Or you just do kind of like small, immediate family, right? Yeah. Parents, yeah. sister. Yeah. You know. yeah. Or you do, you know, kind of some cousins and aunts and uncles. Or you do, I ended up, this is going to make you guys feel worse because I invited about 170 people. You guys were 171 and 172. You should be like number 10 and 11, man. Sure. I went too far, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot about bad neighbors. So you know what I wanted to do? I had people that I went to school with when I was a kid, when I was older, that I worked with, that I went to college with, um, that I played soccer with, that I refereed. I had people from sort of all my walks of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a hell of a big bill for me because <laughs> I wasn't, you know, it was just, I wanted to hold the party, mm -hmm. but it was so much fun. Like, it was just so much fun to kind of see so many parts of your 50 years Absolutely. in one room together. Cool. So if I make it to 65, you guys are in. I want next okay? year instead. No, next year. 53. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, sorry about that. You're on my list. All right. Okay. Good to know. So my last question, Gene, is that you know you know for your prop for your antics, yep. what is the prop budget at Sportsnet? Uh -huh. All the costs everything you have. <laughs> yeah, the the, the prop budget is it's pretty wide open. It's, it's, well, you know one of the big advantages. My kids are older now, but yeah, you know kids always have stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. it's just stuff yeah. that that they've kind of outgrown. 
and you just leave it around and then you can kind of end up using it and manufacturing it and turning it into whatever you want. My wife also is a big help too. Like oftentimes I'll, I'll sort of say, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. Do we have this or what would you, you know, and she's like, well, yeah, you can use this or that. So she's also kind of my assistant prop person. Um, <laughs> at home, it's pretty easy because I've got my own home and I've got our crew that yeah. help me out. Yeah. On the road, it's a little more difficult because you have less access to things. Yeah. So you might want to do something, but go, geez, I don't have that. And I don't have anyone that can help me get that. Yeah. So I have to kind of work around that. But uh, yeah, the, the, the budget is sometimes when I actually have to get something, mm. I, I'll call and say, listen, I need to get this. Are you okay if I expense it? Yeah. And they're, they're usually pretty good about it. So yeah, it's uh, some of it's free, some of it isn't. But um, I've been doing it for so long now that I just kind of keep doing it until someone tells me to stop. Awesome. So, you know what, we're, we're, we are going to wrap this up. We're going to end on a high tonight. Again, huge thanks to Howie's, uh, Matt Coven Eatery, Starlight Casino for Avery Lewis McDougal, Dean Prince of A, the Smith family. Thank you. I'm Brad Barker. We'll see you for 41 next week, next Monday, same time, same place.